I'll play back the levels the way you set them. Say it on me. Hey, pussy, are you still there? Lee. I back. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up. I back it up. That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, buddy. Hey, John, do you think I'm just going to sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope to God you come ready. Hi, I'm Michael Morgan, and welcome to this week's episode of The Wokecast. Joining me as ever, she says what she means and means what she says. It's G from Woe TV. What's going on, G? Ain't nothing much, Mike. What's going on? Well, I'm bleary-eyed, as you know, um, dipping in and out of fights last night. As ever, um, we have a fantastic guest this week. Former Invicta Fighting Championship strawweight champion, former World Kickboxing Association champion, currently fighting in the UFC, it's Angela Overkill Hill. How you doing, Angela? Hey, I'm doing good. So, Angela, are we doing Angela or are we doing Angie? Uh, Angie's fine. Is a lot. Most people call me Ange or Angie, or uh, I get called the full name when I'm in trouble. So <laughs> whatever, whatever you feel comfortable with, I answer to all of them. Okay, just to set out some parameters for this interview, we. Um, I'm not sure if you listened to previous episodes, but we tend to center around everything other than fights. So that isn't our main focus. We're not into the basic, Billy basic questions of how's your fight camp going? How's the prep? No, we're not really about that life. We're a little bit different, which kind of like leads me on to the first question which I had for you. And, you know, forgive me for taking this track, but I'm a sci-fi nerd. I'm a science fiction um, fanatic. I love all things extraterrestrial. And one thing which kind of like um, crept into my notice as I was prepping for the show was your grandfather is Barney Hill and your grandmother mm-hmm. is Betty Hill. Now, let me just set this up. In the 60s, um, there was a big focus on alien um, abductions, alien contact. And your grandfather and grandmother basically um, were the first widely publicized, um, well, couple to be covering this, as in you were the, fo- well, uh, the couple were the focus of UFO activity. So I kind of like set that up and um, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by how Christmas dinners at your grand's actually um, were filled with stories. Just just fill in the blanks here. I mean, what's the whole deal with the whole extraterrestrial activity? Well, first I got to set you straight. It was my grandfather, but not my grandmother. Ah. That was his second wife. Right, okay. <laughs> so um, I never got to meet him. He died in, uh, I think, um, either late 60s early 70s or something like that yeah um so i never got to meet him but uh it was always something that was 
that would we would bring up randomly and, and whenever we go visit uh, the family on my dad's side. My dad's from Philly, so whenever we go to Philly and visit visit his side of the family, every now and then it would come up and we talk about it. And everyone believed that it actually happened or something actually happened. Um, whenever it would come on Sci-Fi Channel, like the, this uh, the movie that came out about it, yeah, James Earl Jones played my grandfather. Mm. And that would come on the Sci-Fi Channel like at least once a year. So whenever that came on, we'd all go, "Oh, my grandfather's on TV!" And we'd all like sit and watch the movie. It was kind of a boring movie for a kid, <laughs> but it was still really cool knowing that this is someone that we're directly related to. Uh, so, so yeah, it's always been this thing that I know about. It's always been my icebreaker, especially before I became a fighter. I would mm. go, "Hey guys, I'm Angela. Guess what? <laughs> my grandfather got abducted by aliens." They're like, "No way!" And then I go, "Yeah." Good it and uh or i don't even think he had google then yahoo asked jeeves about it i don't know but uh but yeah it was it's always been this cool little story that we had in our family that was very unique to us so so yeah it, it, yeah, I, I definitely feel a connection whenever I see abduction movies or anything about aliens in the news. I, I'm always extra inter- interested just because of that that uh, family history. So in terms of your own um, interactions with, with the story, how much of it is still being told? I mean, obviously there's been the film, there's been documentaries, there's obviously been loads of commentary around it, but... How much of the story is still to be told or has it been told um, in its entirety? Because obviously a lot of it has been kind of like um, fictionalized in the film aspect. But how much of it is, is still not known? Um, I don't know if people still really focus on it. I know it comes up in a lot of, uh, I guess, media, like a lot of fictional stuff. Like uh, there was a series that was all about aliens and some fictional show. I forget the name of it. Uh, when I was in college and I remember they referenced my grandfather and um, even when I drove to, when I moved out to San Diego, me and my husband, we drove from Maryland where my mom lives to San Diego and we stopped in Roswell and they have like this big UFO museum in Roswell and there was like a nice nice little section on my grandfather there on Barney Hill and Betty Hill there so I still see it a lot and I, if I look it up I'll see random uh, videos about it on YouTube and stuff but I haven't really I don't I, I haven't heard of anything I guess big happening anytime uh, in the recent I guess yeah in the recent in, in recent times or or on the way i think i heard something about someone trying to make a movie about it maybe in a few years okay uh but i i, I don't know for sure i i haven't uh, heard anything about it um but the when it first happened it was heavily documented uh, there were there were a number of books written on it um if you if you look up i think the interrupt the journey is the name of the the book that was written all about it and it tells you about 
how they drove up to New Hampshire, how they got abducted, um, how they didn't really realize they got abducted until uh, later on when they were having nightmares about it and started putting two and two together and ended up getting hypnotized. And then they both had identical stories. So so that that book tells the whole um, that whole journey. Uh, so that's a good read. And then there's a lot of stuff that came after came out after that that references it and goes into more detail about it uh but i don't think anything uh in the recent years has come out about it so how about yourself i mean is this like a, an area of interest for you because i know you do the whole cosplay thing but is <laughs> alien activity alien abductions or ufos full stop an area of interest for you uh, it, it used to be i when i was in college i was really into it and I ended up freaking myself out. Uh, there was one time where I was deep into researching about my grandfather and just about different abductions that have happened uh, in the more recent years. And have you ever heard of um, sleep paralysis? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So when I was getting really deep into it, I had my first sleep paralysis episode. Wow. And I swear I thought I got abducted. Like, <laughs> like it's really horrible. So so sleep paralysis, for anyone who doesn't know, um, you're, you're sleeping and you get caught in between that state of um, being awake and or that state of waking up and you know, the thing that your body does to you to keep you from jerking and running and doing all the stuff that you do in your dreams. Mm. So my mind was awake and I could see everything in my room, um, but I couldn't move at all. And then I look to the doorway and I see this shadow figure in the doorway. And I'm just like, fuck, it's happening. <laughs> it's happening. This is what this is what I get for it. For researching and reading up on all this bullshit and uh <laughs> and then then when i i went on facebook and was like yo i think i just got abducted and wrote it out and and people were telling me oh it sounds like you had sleep paralysis and i started researching that and i'm like oh that's exactly what it was so i think after that um i i kind of backed away from it um and just just didn't didn't really get into it too much since then um but yeah i i i still believe that uh that there's something out there i think it would be weird it would be less likely that there's nothing out there than there not being something so so i still believe that but i also feel like there are a lot of things that i don't really care to experience in my life like i i don't want to go deep sea diving and seeing all the craziness that's down there and i also don't want to go to outer space anytime soon and, and get <laughs> experimented on so so i think i kind of backed away after that wow you know what, <laughs> what, what sparked my interest about all of this as i say you know not just being as somebody who's into the the, the genre or into the interest field but i feel i've seen uh, a ufo myself it was about 10 years ago the person who i was living with she's screaming she said come and look at what's going on outside so i ran upstairs because i was downstairs in the living room and i i kid you not there was it looked like a cigar it was a golden cigar and it was in the sky and it was hovering and i could not believe my eyes what i was seeing and it was a way away but the brightness of it it looked like something i'd never ever seen apart from obviously on in, in some kind of like movie so 
that kind of like mm-hmm. speaked me out. That kind of like piqued my interest, and it made me think. You know what? Given the billions of planets, given the galaxies that are out there, there's no way that we're the only people um, who exist in this universe, anyway. Oh yeah, definitely. I remember one Christmas, um, my mom, <laughs> my mom had us looking up in the sky at this thing, and it was moving in the weirdest way, and it was just this like bright light. And she said it was Santa Claus, but I think she knew, <laughs> she knew that it was it was something fucked up out there. But she wanted someone else to look at it to make sure she wasn't going crazy. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was just a chain of lights, and it was just following. It was kind of like a a worm of lights in the sky, just kind of moving around, swirling around in the sky. And uh, even recently, uh, one of my coaches out here in San Diego, he's spotted a bunch of bright lights there were uh, articles written on it and that was just about maybe a year and a half or two years ago uh just out here in san diego and i know there's a lot of weird ufo sighting type stuff that come that goes on out here too uh so yeah there's definitely stuff going on and we don't know exactly what it is or or the people who do know aren't aren't telling us but yeah it's, it's a really uh, it's scary but it's also really cool you know <laughs> who knows what's gonna happen uh before the end of 2020 maybe we're finally gonna make contact and uh, <laughs> well it can't get any more bizarre can blow it up. Who knows? <laughs> yeah it can't get any more bizarre 2020 but you know exactly. instead of, instead of me hogging the conversation on science fiction uh, I'm going to pass you over to G. But G, have you had any um, extraterrestrial sightings or um, paranormal activity? No, I stay away from all that stuff. You know, Mike, you know I'm Haitian. We don't fool with none of this stuff. No voodoo, no aliens, none of that. You know, like we got our own stuff going on and I stay away from all that. But Angie, have you met GSP and discussed aliens with him? He's reportedly discussed two sightings on two different podcasts. And I'm sitting here like, have you guys met up and talked about this? I think he would be fascinated. That would be really fun. No, I, I've met GSP once in my life, but that was before I was doing the MMA. Um, and he was just visiting in New York at a bar that my husband worked at. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, shit. He was like, hey, you know who that is? And I was like, no, who's that? He's like, it's GSP. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so I got to meet him again. once. Yeah. But yeah, I'll definitely have to, if I see him again, I'll definitely have to be like, hey. Yeah, because I think you guys have a lot in common. Yeah, because I, def- I definitely was like, whoa, has he been hit too many times in the head? But now that I think about it, it's like, no, there's a lot of people that believe in extraterrestrial activity and believe it or not a lot of fighters do because you know gsp has talked about experiencing it with other fighters so i'm like man him and angie need to sit down and and have a cup of coffee but um if you ever meet someone in the air force ask them if they've ever seen anything weird out there and they always have these real creepy stories so (laughs) so yeah yeah, if you have any air force friends oh yeah their brain about it and see what they say I actually have a coworker that was in the military and he like was putting me on to like space force and why it's needed. And I thought it was just like this bad idea by Trump. And I looked at him like, what? You actually think this is something we need to do? But you are 100 percent correct. Like the military be like, let's talk about these aliens. Right. Um, But uh, Angie, first and foremost, I want to thank you for something that I've always wanted to say thank you for. And it was when you spoke out against the N word. Um, when Mike Perry was using it. And I can't remember off the top of my head what you said to him, but I do remember being like, finally, 
someone has spoken out, someone that is a person of color, which is important, and finally, someone saying something. So first and foremost, thank you. And secondly, how do you feel about the N-word in general? Um, you know, it's it's very complicated. I don't mm-hmm. like using it um, just because I know the arguments for it for everyone using it is always like hey you know if you can use it why can't i i personally i was raised in a household where you don't use it that often like you use it and you don't use it in mixed company rather (laughs) you know so uh so i've always been just kind of shy i've always shied away from using the n-word but uh when you have someone who just uses it so blatantly in the public space uh, and and I always understand that, like, yeah, you know, I've had friends who, like, get the pass or whatever, you know, people who, like, I even mess around with my husband all the time. I'm like, say it, say it, you know. <laughs> He's, like, the whitest uh, Scotsman ever, you know. But, uh, but it's there's something about saying it in a public space or saying it in media where it influences the wrong people and Correct. it blurs the lines. So if you if you if you grow up in like a, a hood atmosphere where this is accepted or like you still can't go to another hood where no one knows you and start going like nigga this nigga that and expect right. everyone to be cool about it you know like you still mm-hmm. have to have that familiarity with somebody in order to say that and not get shot or punched or whatever hit by a car you know like it's a really violent word it's a really angry word so even when you use it in in a in a way that's not supposed to be aggressive like it's it's still kind of taboo so i've i've always like just ignored when he said it like it may be uncomfortable but i i just ignore it because you know i've had friends who who i didn't care if they said it or not even though they weren't black but when he started, I think the the time you're talking about is when he was saying it to Michael Jai White. Yes. Who is like, you know, someone that I've looked up to for a really long time before I was an MMA fighter. Uh, and he started saying it to him and he said it in a way that wasn't he wasn't saying it because he was given the a pass. pass. Like it right. wasn't it wasn't the same thing, you know, like he was he was using the fact that he was white and the fact that he was saying it and he was using that against Michael Jai White. And that's where I drew the line. I was just like, you know, this this kind of just bothers me usually. But the fact that he's going, hey, I'm a white man calling you a nigger, you know, like that, that yeah. just, you know, it, it, it should have pissed everyone off. And I think the reason why people don't speak out about it is because they know the backlash. They know the they know they know their audience you know it's just like being a comedian you can't go into you know a certain demographic and tell certain jokes so when when you expect like black mma fighters to speak out against it it's Mm -hmm. hard for them because they have their own shit going on they are dealing with all sorts of pressures and in this and that Mm -hmm. and public perception and the last thing they want to do is have a bunch of dweeby looking white motherfuckers on their page calling them the n-word and that's exactly what happened when i spoke out against it so it was annoying but uh yeah yeah so the mentions were full of hate for just speaking out about it yeah and and i debated speaking out about it because i was getting ready for a fight myself i was about two or three weeks out and literally everything i posted 
for my fight i had to block or delete like uh 20 30 comments of of like the dorkiest looking white kids saying the n-word on my page so it's it's not something that you know i i would expect other fighters to do just because of the annoyance and just because it's what usually it, yeah. yeah what comes with it and it's usually not that big of a deal everyone understands mike perry is like this 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 character that is trying to disrupt and trying to like annoy people and ruffle feathers so uh, a lot of times the best way to deal with that is just to ignore it but uh in that one instance i felt the need to speak out for mma fighters because like michael jai white is like one of my heroes you know yeah. so i'm like come on man like keep that in your sphere don't right. go outside it's like it's like anything it's like uh like keep you know, it in the keep, house don't <laughs> exactly keep our dirty laundry in the exactly. mma world don't go exactly. like throwing it all over the place you know now everyone thinks we're a bunch of clowns and thinks that we're very anti-black uh, because this type of behavior is allowed. So, like, so yeah, I, I felt like it was important that in that in- instance, and you know, for the pretty much every other time he's he's gone and done dumb shit online, I've ignored it. So, yeah, yeah I, I just felt like it was important that one time. And do you wish I you you thoroughly explained why African American fighters don't speak up, and that probably also applies to other fighters that are white, Hispanic, whatever. And do you wish, though, that they still spoke up? Like, do you wish you had more people having your back and, and speaking for you, or were you okay being like the lone wolf on this subject? Because I, I honestly believe you were like the only person that said anything, and it would have been nice if maybe a white person maybe would have backed you up too, because it's important for... Um, it's important for white people to see other white people holding them accountable for their racism. It, it, you know? Yeah, for sure. Like I, I was annoyed that I had to be the one to do it, yeah. but Hey, like that's, that's uh that's history, you know, like it, yeah. it's always a black woman, you know, stepping up and, yeah. and putting herself out there and then people start following suit. Right. So um, I saw recently, and I think before, before I spoke out, uh, Aljamain Sterling did too. Yes. Uh, before that, uh, Karen Bryant said said that thing to Henry Sejudo about Bobby. the ancient Mima thing, uh, and and we know what's gonna happen. Like we know, anytime we speak out about something, uh, people are gonna say, "Hey, qu- quit being so sensitive. Quit being so triggered. Uh, you know why? 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 Why is this? Why is this bad? You know, like just let them be." Um, and but at the same time, I think it's important for people who are who are being offended by it to see, OK, I'm not crazy for being offended by this type of behavior. Right. Um, so, yeah, it does suck. But like it like eventually it always comes around, like with the whole Black Lives Matter movement that's happened uh, since George Floyd. Like, I, I honestly didn't think that people were going to care. Like it was. It was, yeah, it was a pleasant surprise that suddenly everyone started caring. And I think, I think it was just an instance where people kept, kept uh, speaking out and speaking out and speaking out until you just didn't have a a choice but to listen. So I think, I think that's what happens usually when, when you have something, something crazy going on when it comes to race relations and, and like for whatever reason, uh, 
people stopped believing racism existed after Obama got elected. So oh and now we're having this crazy backlash where it's like no matter what what is said, people are like, oh, the come on it's 2020 there's no racism anymore you know so and that so, in yeah. itself is racist like when people yeah. say that to me i'm like that you you yourself are being racist at the moment but go ahead <laughs> you know yeah exactly it's it's always like something something small that snowballs until you have enough people exactly. who agree with you who see your opinion and then they're like okay finally like i'm not crazy my feelings are are kind of validated because exactly. this person's speaking out. So yeah, I I don't mind that I was the only one to say something, but it did annoy me that <laughs> no one else yeah. was going yes. to. But after that, I did get a lot of people like you, uh, just saying thank you, thank you for saying that because no one else was saying anything. So that that made it all worth it, you know. Like I don't care about the people that I had to block or the people who right. who get matter. off yeah. on saying on saying the and like I don't even say it, you know. So right. like, Neither why is I. it so? Um, yeah, why is Neither it so I. important to you to say it, you know? But um. But yeah, I don't care about those people. I'm happy that I was able to provide a voice for people who felt like no one was listening or no one was representing them. So so I think in the end it worked out for me. Yeah. And, and again, thank you, because it was like the fans on the ground, like me and Mike podcasting about the N word, me and Mike tweeting about like, hey, it's wrong. But they need to hear it from people in the actual profession and they need to hear it from white fighters and also someone like you. So once again, thank you. But I also notice in your bio, Angie, you've got first African-American female and my co-host, Karos, he so wants to interview you, too. But we tucked him away for Wednesday. Right, Mike? And <laughs> but he snuck in a question and I'm going to ask it for him. And he said, what is it going to take to get the black community more invested at, in MMA as well as fighters? What do you think? Um, I think I think just exposure. I think we're definitely late to the game. Uh, I remember when I was a kid and I I randomly saw an MMA fight like on fuzzy TV or whatever. And then like my, my brothers or, or whoever I was watching with were just like, it was that gay shit on TV, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I think, I think we're definitely late to the party just because of the different sports that are involved in MMA. You have like wrestling that we're, that we're just starting to like get into and see a lot of athletes that look like us in, you have grappling where we're just now seeing a lot of athletes that right. look like us, like getting into like BJJ and stuff. So right. I think once those sports or, or now that those sports are more normalized to the black community, I think you're going to see people less intolerant of like grappling and people hugging each other, you know, because that's always been like a complaint, even when you're watching boxing, like, hey, quit hugging him what do you want to do kiss him you know like right right the whole homophobia with uh i don't know sports and <laughs> in general so i think uh i think eventually or i think now we're starting to see more people get into it uh now that it, mma is becoming more mainstream i think yeah. people are less afraid of it and uh and yeah now that you're seeing more athletes that that are exceeding in it that look like us you, you're seeing more people get into it as well so i think uh i think even though we're kind of late to the party i definitely think it's happening and uh and i'm hoping i, I could be one of those people that help it along 
Oh, I think you already are. Like, most definitely. And that's Yeah, because you're representing, you're representing us. You're proud to represent us. It's in your bio. And on top of that, you're speaking out against racial slurs. So I think you're leading that way so far. And I think you're doing a really good job. And I don't mean to just be on your coattails, but just from the outside looking in, I'm like rooting for you. And I'm just also really proud of you. Um, Aw, yay, thanks. You're welcome. And Mike, I have a, I have a few more questions, Mike, but I don't want to be rude. Do you want to jump in or can I keep going? Yeah, I mean, it neatly segues actually from something which you said earlier about Black Lives Matter. For me, Black Lives Matter is a movement. It's no longer a moment. In terms of that being the case, were you um, surprised or a little bit disappointed that Given the amount of companies who've come out and they've made a public statement around Black Lives Matters and the fact that, you know, this now is a groundswell in terms of opinion that Black Lives should matter. A lot of companies, major corporations have made it a very, very big and quite pertinent statement about where they stand. But not the UFC. Nothing has actually been said in kind of like tablets of stone and big capital letters like other organizations have made. Is that slightly disappointing for you or is that kind of like understandable from what you've said already? Um, I understand it. Uh, if if anything, uh, you know, I've seen I've seen a lot of companies pay lip service to Black Lives Matter. Uh, their PR teams get together and they're like, "Oh shit, we need to we need to put something out before people start thinking we hate black people." And part of <laughs> part of me, like you know, obviously, uh, I would have appreciated them speaking out about it. Uh, but at the same time, it's like. Uh, what what are the companies who did speak out about it gonna do in the long run? You know, are they gonna right. donate to the cause? Are they gonna hire more black people? Are they gonna going to do anything to to help move forward? And I honestly don't think UFC has that as one of its priorities. So it's it's almost refreshing that they didn't say anything because they're like, hey, it's gonna be business as usual. So you know. <laughs> So it is what it is. Um, so I don't know. It's 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 such a complicated uh, uh, situation that the country is in right now. When it comes to that, uh, no one really knows how to fix systematic racism and how to fix uh, you know the just just the way that the police departments in in the U.S. are run and and how they've been run since they were developed. So it's it's just like a really complicated issue uh, that I don't expect the UFC to get involved with. So um, so yeah, I, I wasn't I wasn't surprised that they didn't speak out about it. Uh, they're uh, you know Dana White's like pretty much uh, <laughs> entangled with Trump. So uh, <laughs> that is the word so, of the weekend, isn't it? Entangled, yeah. <laughs> He is entangled with them, so so I I really didn't expect uh, anything, any type of uh, press release or anything from the USC when it came to that. And at a certain point, I I was really getting almost frustrated with the amount of people who were suddenly wanting to do something. Like there were a few ads that I that I thought were really impressive, like uh, Ben and Jerry's, uh, just really like went at it. Um, with their with their uh, with their PR stuff, they were like explaining it to their customers. They're 
uh, saying that they're going to donate to certain causes. Yeah. And I think if you're going to do so, if you're going to do something like that, then that's awesome. Like I was all for that. But then you have like the NFL <laughs> saying stuff about oh it. It's like, God. come on, you yeah. guys are you guys are the reason Black Lives Matter exists because. <laughs> Right. You didn't want anyone kneeling, you know, right. when when black people were getting killed by police. I I appreciate uh, the people who did speak out, who actually planned on, on doing something about it. The companies that did speak out. So uh, so yeah, I think that's where I stand. And just on the whole movement in general, one of the things which is kind of like worrying is the cyclical nature of movements. In that, in the sixties, we burned and we marched. In the 70s, we burned and we marched. You see where I'm going with this? We Mm. seem to have this cyclical nature of burning and marching, but nothing intrinsically changes for us. What do you think we need to do differently, considering that we do seem to be at a global movement now, which is um, ever so slightly different to when burning and marching took took place in um, previous parts of history? Um, what, man, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I think I think we should hire teams of people who who uh, study economics and study, you, uh, you know, uh, what's the one way study demographics and everything that makes up the reason why why this is happening and get together and and form some kind of plan but it's it's so ingrained in the country that nothing's going to change immediately and you can't say that things haven't changed since the 60s you know um but we're still it's still a slow march towards where true equality will exist yes so um i think i think it just has to keep happening we have to keep burning and marching and hopefully not burning too much you know uh, because then people start to have have uh reasons to say oh well if you're burning then why should we care about you you know um but yeah it just has to keep happening and and i think eventually we'll come to a point where we all feel feel a little bit taken care of but we're definitely not there yet do you want to jump in, Jay? Yeah, I just, um, I don't mind. I hope you guys don't mind, but I'm going to flip it to another topic. And I just I just want to get in your brain about this. Were you aware of the Twitter tirade between Macy Chiazon and Valerie Laredo? No, what happened? Well, mm, allow me. So, <laughs> yes, girl, I got the deets. So... Basically, um, Macy and Valerie were beefing on Twitter, and apparently Macy couldn't take it anymore, the way in which Valerie was presenting herself in the gym. And Macy, we actually did an interview with her on the show, and we actually got her perspective. And also, Valerie, if you listen to the show or anybody, please come on and give us your perspective. But anyway... um, Macy came on a show and she basically told us that she did not like the way Valerie was sexualizing herself online and it took away from the efforts of women that don't do that. And she basically voiced that in on Twitter and Valerie was like, oh, for real. 
And they had some words and they went back and forth and it divided the community because there were women like me that understand Macy Chiazon because, you know, I, I present myself similarly with as her, like tattoos and a bit more masculine presenting. And things are different from us. And then you have feminine women like Valerie Laredo that are less like, yes, they're martial artists, but she seems to be sexualizing herself online somewhat and Macy wasn't having it. How do you feel about your cohorts or peers or female fighters that maybe sexual themselves somewhat online or the OnlyFans thing and kind of are selling MMA and their sales. How do you feel about that as a woman? Um, I don't, I don't think it's a big deal. Like, uh, I, I get why she would be upset about it. And I've always been, um, yeah, I've, I've just always been annoyed about the fact that certain girls will get more opportunities just, just, um, based on marketability and not based on skill, Mm -hmm. but I still get it, you know, like it's, it's an annoyance, but I don't think it's something to, I don't feel like it's a hill to die on. And like, I, I mean, I use it as well. I don't, it's not my only, it's not my go-to, but Mm -hmm. I will post like nice photos of myself or like, you know, bikini photos or whatever, Mm -hmm. show my ass every now and then just to be like, (laughs) Hey guys, you know, I can do it too. Even though you're really following me because you think I'm a good fighter and and I'm kind of funny. So I think if you're not funny, (laughs) you're not a, a great fighter, but like, if that's your only fallback, then why, why why not someone who's just trying to make it so i've always i've always been okay with it and and you know you have people who are great fighters who do that too mm-hmm. um you have people who are a total package and i think just because women are already dealing with this glass ceiling where it's hard for us to be taken seriously like yeah you can you can knock someone for doing it but maybe that's the leg up that they needed just to be seen just to be given a right. chance so so yeah like I, I i feel like um that that's the really tall girl right from tough yes i feel like i feel like it's it's a little immaturity to be honest the fact that she is so bothered by it because she got a lot of attention for what she did uh her first fight in the ufc um outside of tough like she she whooped that she fought a cheesecake right or wait no cheesecake beater it was another girl who she just kind of destroyed and she got a ton of attention for that like more attention for that than you know putting on a bikini and bouncing up and down so she should be proud of her accomplishments and not focusing on what other people are doing um in order to get some eyes on them uh so so i understand the frustration it was something that you know i would be i was a little more frustrated with when i had first gotten into the ufc Mm -hmm. but to be honest, like the best way to get past that is to just do you and and do the things that make you more marketable. And for her, it's being big and strong and and mean, you know, and like if she focuses on that, then she won't even need to worry about that. Like uh, the one thing that people always think is hot is a winner, you know, so yeah. like <laughs> like 
you could take people who no one was paying attention to. They've become champion and suddenly they're they're gorgeous. Suddenly they're right. hot. Suddenly yeah. people want to date them. And that becomes part of your package, even if it wasn't what you intended. So as women, like that's just what happens. And in yeah, I don't know. I, I I definitely don't think that women sexualizing themselves to get some eyes on them is an issue. I think it's I think it's smart. I think it's uh you know, if you have it, flaunt it and if that helps you get that foot in the door, use it because yes, their mm-hmm. life is fleeting yeah. and there's not enough time in your life to be worried about what people are gonna say because you showed your ass on the internet, you know? Like yeah. <laughs> your ass is only gonna be worth showing for so long, so you might as well do it. Right. Uh so yeah, I, I think I think it's a little bit of immaturity on her part. Um uh just just uh it's easy to get jealous of somebody putting themselves out there and getting that immediate, uh, those immediate reactions where you're working hard, hard, hard on your techniques and showing up in your fights. Yeah. And that doesn't feel like it's getting as noticed, even though it right. took longer for you to do. But, yeah. you know, it is what it is. It's, I don't think it's a big issue. I won't speak on Macy's behalf. We had a wonderful conversation. But when we're done with this, I'm going to send you the link to that so you can get more scoop and background on it because it was a fascinating conversation. Because just Mm. to hear her perspective and address the jealousy and, you know, whatnot and what her mentions were full of during that tirade was Mm -hmm. pretty interesting. So I'm going to send it to you. And if you have a chance, listen to it. It's pretty cool. I think I think you'd uh, find it interesting. And um, Mike, I'm trying to get Valerie here. I'm working hard, but we got to continue this because I I'm, I love Valerie the perspectives Lareda, on this. Who is Valerie Lareda? Yeah, she's a Bellator fighter. Oh, okay. Yeah, and um, you know our past past we make a little bit of trouble. The one that said, "Oh, cry me a river." No, that's Veronica Matt. Oh, okay. Okay. But yeah, and um. One last question for me on my end. Um, what did you think of Renzo Gracie having comments about um, Gina Serrano's photo? Because it seemed to me like it was more about self-empowerment. Were you aware of his comments? No, what happened? Gina, Gina where, where have you been? Oh I've been God. doing my own thing. That's, a, that's, how I, that's why I don't care about these other girls. <laughs> you are focused. Meanwhile, I'm, I'm, all about I'm training. <laughs> I'm trying to make stupid TikTok videos and failing. And then <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm no. training some more. Um, is this the, so you said Gina Carano, her topless pick? Yes. And Renzo had some distasteful things to say about it and eventually I don't know if it was his fault or not but it was taken down but I don't even think it was like a raunchy photo and I it's it's kind of like what we were talking about before it's you know I, I think it's okay for women to discuss like you know what we just discussed about how Macy just had a conversation with me about Valerie and but I have a problem when sometimes when men weigh on on women's and, bodies. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so if you get a yeah. chance, you know, catch up on that um, gossip as well, because it was pretty interesting. Cause oh, so once what a, did he say? Um, I'd have to look it up. But he, he said some distasteful comments and said that, you know, she didn't really need to do that. And she didn't have to show off her body that way and that she could get respect in another fashion. But what he didn't realize. Yeah, but what he didn't realize is that nobody asked him. Yeah, he didn't need the uh, quote Nazis, right? Wasn't he doing, (laughs) was that him? 
That's the same guy. <laughs> like, yep. That's what I heard about Enzo. So he didn't need to do that. <laughs> yeah, we could start with that, yes. Oh, but, um, man. <laughs> I just think it's interesting when women, when we go at it, go at each other, which is, I think, a conversation we should be having because that's how you get past anything is through conversation. So that's why whenever I get a female fighter on here, I want to know their perspective. We need all these perspectives out here. I just get distracted when Renzo comes out of nowhere and it just gives us opinions. Yeah, opinions we don't. Left yeah. <laughs> right. No, I think, I think it's hard for people to understand that the reason someone like, uh, uh, um, Maisie is upset is because the, the people that are doing that are taking, or what she feels like, could be taking food out of her mouth. Like they could be taking money out of her pocket. And, and it has she nothing. felt, and I don't oh, mean to cut sorry, you off. Go and, no, she go ahead. Felt, and she also felt that what Valerie was doing was disrespecting the gym. Cause you know, Valerie shakes a booty and does all types of stuff with like the okay. gloves on. And, oh, and so I they're remember, at the same gym. Not the same gym, but the video that ticked Macy off was Valerie actually in the gym, kind of almost sexualizing herself. And that's when Macy came on the show. And I'm glad she did because she cleared that up. She's like, it's not a jealousy thing. She actually felt like that was disrespectful to martial arts. And you take away from the hard work women do when they just go in there and bang, you know? So she was just not happy with her kind of almost disrespecting the gym, which I... That's why I said when we're done here, you should you should listen to her perspective. It's pretty interesting, but a conversation, Angie, we all should be having. No, definitely. And I think yeah. I've just been around girls who do that a lot. And I feel like as long as you show up to train, it doesn't affect me. And I and I don't know, maybe maybe her relationship with her is different or maybe they have trained together and she still mm-hmm. tried to, she still did the same thing didn't take it seriously or whatever um i've never seen the girl fight so i don't know how good she is i don't know if if that's even an option for for Maisie to fight her eventually or at least have a dojo challenge or something <laughs> um but but yeah i i respect anyone who's gonna come in and and train and get some work in and give me good work. Like, I don't care right. if you're getting your tits out after immediately right. afterwards, as long <laughs> as you're staying focused in the gym, you know, like there's yeah. nothing more annoying than a girl who's in the gym who shows up to pro practice practice and isn't a pro so there's nothing more annoying than that because the reason you're at pro training is because you take your career seriously and you want to be training with people who are equally as good who are going to push you to the next level so that's all i care about when it comes to what other women are doing and if they're in my vicinity and i have to deal with them and they're not taking it seriously then that's really annoying but angie what do you do when that happens it sounds like you you, that has happened to you and you sound annoyed what what do you do you put them out you embarrass them (laughs) you beat their ass and then they never come back yeah they never come back it's it's really simple it's a really simple thing you know yeah and if it's someone who you don't like that's in your weight class even better you can call them out you can fight them you can invite them to the gym like it's 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 yeah. really easy to squash beef <laughs> you know yeah. if you really want to but I, if if it's like i i honestly don't feel like it's that serious and yeah like i'll i'll, I'll listen to her take on it but yeah. um 
But yeah, I, I get it. You know, I get it. But at the same time, like focus on yourself and then you won't even those girls won't even be in your in your uh, space, in your in your space, because you're going to be so far ahead of that, that, you know, like, who do you think Joanna cares about Paige Van Zandt? You know, like, do you think True. like any of these girls on the top care about anyone else who's getting more views than them? They don't because they're the master of their craft and they've been champion or are champion or working towards being champion. And anyone who who isn't but is there to be seen is just going to be cannon fodder, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, you just got to focus on yourself. Mm, I like this, Mike. <laughs> Mike, what about you? Got anything else? I'm hogging the mic Couple here. I feel things. so bad. Speaking of um, focusing on yourself, you have Michelle Watson in August, August 22nd at UFC Fight Night. Now, in terms of like prep for this, d- does it kind of like motivate you more when you've got some needle, when there's some beef, when there's some kind of like conflict brewing or um, existing <laughs> between you and, a, and an opponent? Or you get out of bed regardless? Um, it helps, you know, it, it helps when, but everyone's different. Like some people hate having beef when they, when they have someone to fight, you know, um, it just puts more pressure on them, but gives them more anxiety, um, makes it less about skill and more about like emotion. And for me, I think I fight a little better angry. Like it, it makes me pull the trigger faster mm. and it, it keeps me from overthinking um, what I'm going to do to them. I just do it, you know? Uh, but I don't know. I think, I think uh, I have a little chip on my shoulder just because of the amount of fights that I feel like should have gone my way that haven't. Yeah. And like the right last now, one. Yeah, and right now um, it's it's up to three. I <laughs> uh, I personally I feel like I have three weird decisions that should have gone my way, and uh, and all I can do is focus on getting better. So the fact that I'm coming fresh off of one of those one of those shitty decisions uh-huh. is really fueling me for this fight camp. So I've been I've been training harder. I've been focusing more on my conditioning, which I usually don't do. Um, usually I just, I, or, or like, you know, extra, extra conditioning outside of fight training. Usually I just do my fight training. I, I do pad work. I do my, uh, you know, uh, team training with like the grappling and striking and, and sparring and all that. And, and now I'm, I'm trying to work a little more on everything else, like getting a little stronger, uh, getting more snap in my punch. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I'm hoping that it pays off. Like it, it's it's an experiment for me, so we'll see what happens. Uh, but I'm I'm so laser focused on finishing the fight, and I feel like going forward, if I want to make sure that I'm going to win, that's what I have to do is just focus on finishing the fight. And it's not like I've haven't been trying to before, um, but every time you fight you see what you did and you see areas where you can improve and you see areas where you can get closer to finishing or closer 
to even just making it a 10-8 round. And so that's what I've been trying to focus on, not necessarily like swinging, swinging for the fences and, and, you know, trying to knock her out with every punch, even if it's sloppy and my arms are full of lactic acid. But Mm -hmm. I'm focusing on trying to make every round a 10-8 round, trying to dominate every round and just uh, putting out that volume, putting out that pressure that's going to say, oh, yeah, she definitely won all three rounds, 10-8, all three rounds. And, like, you see you see fighters are – some fighters who are able to do that every time they fight, and that's what I'm trying to work towards is just being one of those, like, crazy pressure, uh, um, just really, like, laser-focused fighters. And, and before you go and before we uh, segue into listener questions, I wouldn't mind getting your perspective on last night's um, UFC – um, Fight Island. Um, as I say, I, I, I made a mistake earlier. I, I, I said I I'm tapped out uh, the Volkanovski uh, fight. It was actually Volkan Ozdemir. Just before that fight, um, I tapped out. I, I fell, fell asleep. But um, <laughs> I, I caught Davy Grant. Davy Grant, the UK's Davy Grant. And his knockout of day, that was incredible. And I think it was well worth um, fight of the night. But just whilst we're on the prelims, was there anything on the prelims? Um, I'm going I'm to swing to you first, G. That kind of like um, caught your eye. That made you think, yeah, that's definitely worthy of um, uh, some accolades here. Um, I think right away for me, the um, debut of uh, Pro. How do you say his name, Mike? Prochaska, or I'm so terrible with names. Mm-hmm. Prochaska. Oh he, he was the uh, who was the guy who knocked out Volkan Ozdemir. Ozdemir. Uh, yes, that fight right there caught my attention. And just his awkward style, um, <laughs> just everything. And then he, he he put Ozdemir to sleep like no other. It was unreal. And what a debut. And that, that caught my eye most definitely, the featured prelim. Mm. <laughs> How about you, Angie? I, um, I, I missed a lot of the prelims. So <laughs> I was tired. <laughs> oh, um, Angie. But I, I'm glad it's not just me. <laughs> uh, man, it's hard to keep up. Then we got two cars next week too. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm gonna miss so many fights. Um, but I did catch. Uh, I think I think I caught the beginning of the one you're talking about. Uh, right before I went to the place that I was gonna watch the pay per view. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of funny seeing the beginning of that fight. It was weird, and then I'm just like, man, like. The guy, I think the guy who got knocked out, I was like, man, he he can he can hit this guy, but you know he's getting caught. So yeah, I, it was pretty it was pretty crazy to see that he uh, yeah got knocked out. <laughs> yeah. By the time I got to where I was going, I was like, oh shit. <laughs> but yeah, that his style is super awkward. Like that yes. that can trip you up so much. Just fighting someone that unorthodox and but, i think um, that's what happened too yeah that yeah yeah you, movement mm-hmm. you just don't know right what's coming yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh but one that uh stood out to me was uh i think his name was maquan maquan americani uh, the guy who got the anaconda that's joke? right yeah yes yeah that was super slick that was that was really cool to watch um so that was that was a really nice one and uh, I'm trying to think what happened before that. There was another fight that I was just like, oh, wow. Um, but, yeah, that one definitely stood out. Like, that guy, he he, he had the choke. He adjusted it. It was super smooth. Like, he, he knew exactly what he was doing there. So, yeah, that was a cool fight to watch. So, moving forward, fast-forwarding to the main event, this is 
what we would all have seen, starting with Amanda Rebus and Paige Bellator, sorry, uh, Paige uh, Van Zandt. Um, <laughs> let's, let's, let's not make no bones about this. Um, she was always going to be heading to Bellator, but this just hastened her, um, her skyrocketing over there to join uh, Mr. Paige Van Zandt as well. But, you know, mm-hmm. in all honesty, um, I've never been that hot or that impressed with Paige. I just think that she was a flash in the pan. And um, a lot of people were sleeping on Amanda Rebus as far as I was concerned. A lot of people seemed to be um, kind of like dazzled by Paige's beauty, which I think doesn't amount to a lot of substance. But I wasn't surprised (laughs) what happened here. Let's just put it that way. I mean, you know, Paige and her um uh, well her her submission prowess isn't something which is a go to and um i wasn't shocked what happened here mhm yeah i i i wasn't super surprised but i i was surprised at how um how blown out of the water it was you know like she just Me she just steamrolled that girl yeah. and i thought i thought Paige would put up a little more of a fight um uh, I think I think Rebus's style was just the perfect matchup for her, like the way that she was able to get that hip throw right off the cage. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of Paige's go tos, uh, a lot of a lot of girls go tos, but I think she's like a judo black belt or something. So yeah, that's so right. She she's like she knows the technique inside and out, and she hit it like beautifully. Uh, transitioned really well to the armbar. And um, and yeah, I was pretty surprised at how how fast she was able to uh, just kind of you know get that win. <laughs> so that was yeah. that was really impressive. Um, and like Paige, Paige is scrappy. Like even though she hasn't been had the best performances against good people, she's still scrappy. Like she still makes them work for it usually uh when she when she gets finished or when she loses a decision or whatever so it was it was uh telling a rebus like i already knew because she beat randa on paper she should be Paige, but you always have to see it play out you know what i mean like you mma math doesn't always work mm. uh and <laughs> weird shit happens especially in women's mma so so yeah it was it was really impressive uh seeing her do that to her how about you g um, I'm with Angie on this um, 100%. I picked Rebus to beat her, and I thought she would do it, s- not soundly, but I knew she was going to win. However, I was shocked at how quickly she did it and how Paige didn't really show much resistance. When she fought Thug Rose, she fought for her life. Her life! Like, she she was not getting arm bar- Like, she put up such a fight with Thug Rose. I've seen her put up other battles with other women that switch kick with with Beck was fly and then when she came out with Amanda it's like she did nothing and (laughs) I was I was just shocked that the the woman that we know that is so scrappy as you described just kind of didn't really show us that scrappiness or that athleticism and it it shocked me that Amanda handled her so easy it was like an easy night you know I knew she was gonna win but I didn't expect that easily in the first round <laughs> like well, damn girl <laughs> yeah i was like already it's over uh, like yeah on, Paige, you you don't go down easy sis so what you know <laughs> what happened and, and I, i'd love to rewatch the fight if it was like a mistake in defending it and whatnot and just to like really slow that down and, and break it down because i mean it happened so quickly well, I'm, she, Mike, did were fight. You she did fight uh she when she got the when she landed the hip throw uh her arm was kind of stuck 
and oh. she was doing the right things but because of where it was the cage was in the way so she she was trying to bump and roll like kind of a roll the girl uh, roll rebus over that wasn't working she tried to go for the leg in order to uh, start cinching her head out of the headlock uh that wasn't working and i think a lot of it just had to do with the position like there there wasn't any space for her to go to To work Uh, yeah so when when she finally did get up to her almost to her knees that's when rebus stepped over and the arm bar was right there and rebus rebus did it like she's done it a million times you know like she it was super (laughs) smooth yeah it was and uh and yeah Paige just you know once you get caught there it's it's kind of like shit now what like uh Mm -hmm. like you you have to not get caught there (laughs) in order to survive it you know what i mean it's not a matter of how well she defended the arm bar it's just a matter of the fact that she got there in the first place. So mm-hmm. I think after that fight, now people are going to be wise to it, where before people hadn't really seen Rebus's judo on display or uh, or her finishing <coughs> or her, like, submissions. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> or her submissions on display. So now I think people are going to be a lot more wary of going to the ground or even more wary of clinching her in the first place because they know mm-hmm. what can happen. So, uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't think it was really just a knock on page not right. fighting back i think it was just a, a a display of how much higher level rebus's grappling was than yeah. hers. um right, that makes and sense. yeah it was it was super smooth it was like the mcquan guy you know like that guy looked the kid he was fighting i think he was fighting the scottish guy right mm-hmm. uh the guy he was fighting he he looked like a good fighter you know he's uh, yep. 10 yeah uh he was very um he was cautious but explosive and then once it went to the ground the guy just whoop 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 you know like swooped yeah. right into position and got the choke and a lot of times people are just that good where where it uh where it almost looks like the person didn't fight back. Yeah, because you see my description of Paige is that what I'm doing is ignoring how the technicalities and the beauty of Rebus did. So I'm glad you were able to, like, clear that up. Because, you you know, I'm not training in this, but I need to slow things down and look out for the things that you said and talk to people and whatnot and put all my research together to figure that out. But it's interesting how you see that and you're like, no, 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 she didn't do that bad. What happened was Rebus is that good, you know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm still learning, too. So uh, I, I was just going over the same move the other day uh, because Michelle likes to do the same thing. And um, and so when I was watching Paige defend it, I'm like, OK, how's she going to get out of this? Oh, yeah. And when she didn't, I'm like, oh, OK, well, <laughs> you know, is. but but I'm I'm I, because the steps are so fresh to me of how to get out of that situation, because I literally just went over it. I was paying attention a little more and able to see the certain steps that she didn't do like quite quick enough or Rebus just anticipated before she even went to it. So, Amazing. so yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like even I've been, I've been doing MMA since I think 2014 and even still, I'm still learning something new every day. And, uh, you know, obviously same with, <laughs> you know, someone like Paige Van Zandt and, mm. and even uh, especially if you're more of a watcher than a doer, um, those tiny details can kind of slip by you just because you're not doing it in the gym or trying it against someone. Mm-hmm. Now, Ange, you're no stranger to Jessica Andrade. 
and Rose Namajunas. Were you watching this more keenly than anyone else or it was just another fight for you? And what did you think? Oh, I was definitely watching it closely. Um, I, I thought it was a great fight. Uh, I, I thought... Um, I thought both of them looked a little afraid of engaging. Uh, You saw saw Andrade with a lot of head movement, um, a lot of kind of back and forth. And the entire time I'm expecting Rose to just blast a head kick, like just, (laughs) just, uh, just really just like lay it on her. And I think, I think Rose was a little hesitant. I think Rose was more, into the idea of keeping her at bay, keeping staying long, kind of like what she did the last fight, only even more so just trying to stay away from Andrade and not letting her close the distance or get a takedown or anything like that. So I felt like Rose played it a lot more cautiously in this fight. Um, and eventually, you know, in the third round, Andrade was able to get past that. You know, she was able to get past her her length and start nailing her and getting takedowns on her and stuff. And it would have been interesting to see a five round fight go uh, for that because uh, just because eventually it seemed like Andrade caught her rhythm and was able to just kind of Mm -hmm. blast in and land those hooks. And, and like you can see from the damage on her face, like those shots were nasty that she took. Yes. Um, So yeah, it was, it was really interesting. And I think, I think it, uh, it, it gave me it gave me uh, even more confidence in in you know my last performance and my performances up to uh, especially in the last like year uh, just because I'm seeing places where I've improved that I could have uh, done certain things against either one of those girls and yeah. they're both girls that I've lost to before so mm. so yeah it's it's uh, it was big for me to kind of watch them in action. Uh, see how they approach each other and say, "Okay, I think I'm, 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 I'm in the conversation." You know, like mm-hmm. I, I, especially after this next fight, uh, if I can do what I'm planning on doing, then that's definitely going to boost me up. I'll, I'll be on a seven fight win streak, <laughs> and nice. uh, and I think people are gonna going to see that I'm going to be one of the best people to face the champion if if she hasn't been dethroned already. Uh, if Whaley Zhang hasn't been de- dethroned already, so um, so yeah, it was it was a good fight. What did I say it wrong? No. Okay, it was a good fight. <laughs> I I always I, I was calling her Yan the other day for some reason, and then uh, and yeah, uh, I never I never mixed her up with the with a uh, Oh, maybe that's why Zhang and Yan. Oh yeah, wow, that's you said right. that beautifully. I'm, the only name I can say is yours and Michael's and my. <laughs> so don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. Yeah. I was like Angela Hill is going to be on the show. Perfect. <laughs> I don't have to practice anything or ask. Like, yeah, it's Angela regular. Hill. Right, good old regular American name. <laughs> yes. Um, and um, yeah, it was funny when I fought Zana and Yan, and it was fresh in people's heads. So they were like, "Robbery!" Angela got robbed, and uh, and then. <laughs> Right, and then right after that, uh, Willie Zhang got booked to fight Andrade, and everyone's like, "Oh my God, I can't believe that this girl is getting to fight Andrade for the title after Angela got robbed." <laughs> and I had to, I had to like finally set people straight, like, "Hey, quit tagging me in this. That's not the same girl." <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, but, so, uh, so yeah, that was pretty funny, but um, 
but I, I feel like I'm in the conversation right now and, and I'm focused on the waters and fight just to push my point across even more. Like, Hey, um, I'm going to be champion soon. I'm, I have improved to the point where I can beat anyone in this division and just give me the opportunity. Uh, so, so yeah, that, that's what that fight said to me because that was a title contention fight. And mm-hmm. I think both of them showed, um, both of them showed ways for uh for the champion to beat him you know so uh so yeah it, it was an interesting fight to watch and i'm interested to see who does get the title shot next if if it's one of them or if the ufc waits for another contender to come up uh and uh and yeah i'll be watching that fight too once it gets booked it's interesting you were talking about them being well talking about rose being quite tentative because i was looking at that and thinking exactly the same but i was kind of like equating it with she's just basically has come off quite a psychological hurdle she's overcome that and now Mm. she's back Mm -hmm. at the scene of the crime so i can understand that to be honest with you but how about yourself g what did you make of it um I loved it. I thought that Andrade kind of switched up her game plan this time around. I love the head movement. You know, I love that because I feel like she, a lot of her fights, like she comes straight forward. She just comes winging hooks at you and whatnot. And I feel like, you know, I'm no expert. I'm just a fan like everybody else. But I feel like that's something that somebody can game plan for. So I was nice that she game planned for Rose and incorporated head movement. And I think when you fight the same way over and over again or you have a certain style, I think it's really hard to switch that up. You're basically fighting yourself. And I think that's really, really difficult to do. For example, when Conor fought Nate Diaz the second time, I felt like he was fighting himself, not to gas out, not to just, you know, explode on the guy and just rely on his left hand. He had to slow things down and methodically pick him apart. And when I see fighters change up how they normally fight, even though Andrade lost, I gave her props for that. I was really, you know, like... I was really proud of her for trying to do something different and also game planning for Rose because we all know in the first fight, Rose was just popping her with that jab and, and lighting her up. So she had to change things. So even though she lost, I was happy with what I saw and I'm really proud of Rose and I felt so bad for the beating to her face. Like I've never, I haven't seen a woman look that bad in, in quite a while. Oh, well, she'll be fine. <laughs> I, 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 I know, I'm such a pussy. I was at home like, her nose. Oh, but I was know. surprised that how how uh, quickly the damage showed. Like, uh, yeah, yes. she must. She, but sometimes you know you'll get hit with harder punches that don't do anything, and then you'll get like skiffed right on the right spot of your cheekbone, and then that thing swells up, and you're like, come on, man, you know. So, but, but Angie, let's so, say. When you have injuries like that, Angie, and like you just go back to your normal life, do people at the grocery store think your man beat you? Or like, are people like, my God, are you okay? Or what's life like walking around with, with fight injuries? Oh, man, it's it's pretty funny. Like sometimes, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I shouldn't say that because I know there's a lot of women actually dealing with that. Um, right. But but it is interesting to see like people's reactions. Like, uh yeah when i when i once when i was doing muay thai okay once when i was doing muay thai uh i walked my husband we were we were still like in new york city and he worked at this bar in brooklyn and so we would go to the train station together and every now and then i'd walk him to work so i walked him to work and i had this like big black eye from my last muay thai fight (laughs) and it was literally like a day ago and i walk him to work and and i walk past these like 
these boys on the corner they're like you know like little teenager maybe early 20s like black kids and i walk past them with my husband and then when i walk back they're like hey ma ma you all right ma (laughs) and i thought that was so sweet i was just like oh the baby's looking out for me they probably thought i was their age but (laughs) but yeah i thought that was really cute so it's it's yeah we've always dealt with that like sometimes we play along like <laughs> I'm sure you do. like you like yell at me <laughs> in public and I'm like oh I'm sorry but uh but yeah I don't do it anymore <laughs> no it's so funny you say that because I would probably do something like that and in my former career as a police officer my partner got like hit in the eye and he was so embarrassed by it because he had to get butterfly stitches and I was like bro you were about to get so much ass and oh, so many girls are gonna like you yeah. the next day Oh my women were practically throwing panties at him in uniform yeah. because they were just like, Oh my god, what happened to your eyes? So <laughs> I often wonder That's like so what funny. life is like afterwards, you know. But I'm sure yeah. you're used to it and you laugh like you do with your husband, which is which is so cool. Yeah, no, we, it's definitely a double standard. A guy is cool. A yep. woman is like, oh, yep. po- oh, my God, someone call the police. I, <laughs> I almost got mad because I was like, why are you getting all these girls all of a sudden? And I look at his eye and I'm like, oh, because, you know, the butterfly stitches and you look cool, you know, and yeah. it's so funny. Meanwhile, me, you think someone beat me. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I lost the fight. I'm a cop that got beat up. Yeah, no, those boys weren't trying to holler. They were trying to, like, you Kill know. me, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they just wanted to make sure I wasn't, like, about to die. <laughs> oh, yeah, good, good. I thought you uh, something else. Oh, that's so sweet. So communal, though. I'm glad they looked out for you. Yeah, it was sweet. So next yeah, up, funny. PDN versus Jose Aldo. It was amazing to see vintage Jose Aldo, leg kicks and all, come back. I mean, talk about meeting the middle and just throw down. That was an incredible display of striking prowess. Now, I have to say, I don't know, maybe I'm over-egging this, but is uh, is 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 there some kind of like entanglement going on with the ref? Because because <laughs> why did he let Jose Aldo take so many beats? I mean, is uh, is Jose Aldo doing something with his wife? I mean, what's going on there? Leon Roberts, oh, someone should need, someone needs to have a word with him. Seriously, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, you you know, people do have those conversations, like what Dom said. Uh, Dominic Cruz said when uh, he was upset about um, Keith Peterson stopping the fight because he told him, hey, this is how I fight. This is an important fight. Please don't stop the fight unless I am not working at all, unless I'm out. And so he was super upset when Keith Peterson stopped that fight. And Mm. who knows if, like... Part of me thinks that maybe Aldo had a similar conversation with the ref, like, hey, this is a title fight. Don't stop the fight unless I'm not in it at all. Mm-hmm. And maybe the ref took it a little too uh, literally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe he tried to look out for him. And I, I, I hear refs do want the fighters to have a chance to fight. Like, they, you know, they, they struggle with that balance of like, all right, you know, like do something here. And then you have somebody mm-hmm. that's just like, stop the fight. But last night, I, I thought, thought he gave Aldo just a little bit too much time. Oh, <laughs> for way him. too much time. Yeah. No, yeah. it was it, like, it, there's always a moment where you're watching it with a group of people and you're just like, ooh, 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 I wonder mm-hmm. if he's going to get back. And then there's like that breaking point where everyone's like, 
come on enough no, mercy yeah and, like, <laughs> and that definitely happened way before they stopped it. Yeah. <laughs> like the group the the group that i was sitting with were just like all right he's not coming back come on you know yeah. just like hoping that he got the picture eventually but yeah that's that's always super scary because yeah i'm not sure what auto looked like afterwards i didn't see but he took so much extra damage to like the side of his head Mm, Uh, there's that knockout button like right behind the ear that people don't really talk about that much but you're hitting that that's hitting your equilibrium that's like you know he's getting multiple tiny concussions and he can't do anything to defend themselves because Mm -hmm. he's he's out and of course he's not gonna tap because who like it's Aldo, you know, he's the yeah. king of Rio or whatever. Um, he's not going to tap to strikes. And it's like this bravado thing that no fighter, no matter how fucked up they are, are going to tap to strikes. So it's the ref's job to save them from themselves. And he didn't. So it's really disappointing to see something like that where, um, you know, he just took a lot more damage. That that can take years off of your career. He's already yeah. been in a ton of wars you know, so right. just the fact that he took that amount of damage for for an extra minute that that he wanted of if the ref was a little more aware of, you know, when when the right time was right. to stop yeah. it, then he that that's like three or four more fights of his career that he could have like gone without having a weak chin. Um, so, yeah, it's, that that was really scary. I felt bad for him for sure. I thought it was pretty telling at the end of the fight that Aldo was down on the canvas that long. You're right. I mean, mm-hmm. being punched in that sweet spot behind the ear, I mean, that does mess up your equilibrium somewhat. I mean, I can guess that he wasn't even able to stand. I mean, that's why he was laid almost face down for so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He couldn't recuperate as quickly. You know, sometimes when they get beat up, they, some of them can pop back up. You could tell that Aldo just wasn't capable of doing that. And I, I also think he was a little bit heartbroken. He takes those losses really, really hard. I'm sure all fighters do, but Aldo takes them hard. Yeah, oh, the, yeah. Most definitely. So co-main event, Alexander Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway. What did you make of that, Angie? Um, you know, I, I think I scored it a, a little weird, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I, I think a fight like that just kind of exposes that the scoring system we do use is flawed for MMA. Um, because you have Max Holloway who, who won the first and second round, um, pretty, pretty, um, what do you call it? Uh, um, yeah, it was it was definitely Max for the first and second round, but then the last three were very close and up in the air. So the fact that Max had two dominant rounds and three close rounds, I feel like there should be a way where the scoring shows that. You know what I mean? Um, and so for me, I scored the third round as a draw. And then I gave the fourth and fifth round to Volkanovski. And if that were the case, if if I was actually a judge, that would have made it a draw fight. And I think that was fair just because Volkanovski was pulling ahead at the end. He definitely won the last round in my eyes. And he seemed like the fresher fighter. So if you think 
what would happen if the fight went 10 rounds instead of five. I think Volkanovski would have been the one still throwing punches while Max was on, you know, just running or, or trying to defend. So, um, so that was my justification for it. But I do think when you think of who landed the better strikes and who um, did the most damage in the fight, I definitely feel like you have to give that to Max. So the question is, how do you move forward with that information? How do you give a fight like that a, a winner you know and I felt yeah. like a draw would have been fair um, I feel like saying it was a loss for Max sucks because he did more work uh, or, or at least he, he was more effective mm. but yeah. I think Volkanovski worked harder towards the end and that and that should be reflected as well you know what I mean like it, it's it's a hard thing to kind of judge, and I and I feel like it just show exposes that MMA judging is flawed, even in even with five rounds, even um, when you have someone who did more damage, is it still doesn't reflect what actually happened in the fight. Hmm. How about you, G? Yeah. Um, I did not think it was a robbery. I'm just going to start with that, but it was a very close fight, and I basically think Max. Um, you know, he had rounds one and two, and then round three is a toss-up. I think it could go to either fighter. I'd have to rewatch it. But four and five, Volkanowski snuck out the back door with those, like, real quick takedowns at the end. And he basically controlled the fight and, and threw in some wrestling. So I do think he stepped up in the championship rounds, as Angie described, how Max was going downhill a bit. But I don't think it was a robbery. People are really pissed off. I wanted Max to win, but I, I also know that this was a very close fight. And, you know, I, I accept that Volkanowski won, but it wasn't a robbery. I, I don't think, no. Just the, it was just one of those close, close fights. It can go either way. You know, I just don't think it was a robbery. And yeah. finally, the main event, Kamaru Usman versus Jorge Street Jesus Masvidal. I don't know about <laughs> you, but um, this was the fight that I expected to see. Kamaru Usman, he kind of like trailed this by tweeting out and by letting people know, look, I'm going to be ragdolling um, Masvidal. And as soon as I heard those words, ragdoll, we've heard them recently. I knew it was going to be exactly how it played out. Yeah, um, I I don't blame Usman at all for how he fought. Um, I, I actually really enjoy fights like that. I know some a lot of people are super critical of that wrestling grinding style that that those guys do sometimes like uh i i know like dana white and and the fans were critical of razor blades when he or curtis blades when he when he fought the way he did in his last fight but i i i look at it in um in awe because i feel like that is the most dominant way to fight in mma if you can shut someone's striking down, if you can take away their range and just pin them against the fence and hit them and punish them and control the fight, that's the easiest way to get a win. Or not the easiest, but that's the most uh, dominant way to get a win. Uh, those guys aren't taking damage. They, they're controlling the fight. And the first round, I think, was probably the scariest for Usman just because Masvidal was fresh. He was throwing heavy shots. He he had his range found um, and he wasn't getting pinned up against the cage as much. So I think 
he saw success and okay, if I pin him against the cage, I can hit him. He can't get out. Um, I'm landing on the strikes here, even if their foot stops. Uh, I think that's a smart way to play it. And, uh, you know, if, if Masvidal had a little more stamina, maybe he would have been able to uh, circle out. Maybe he would have been able to off balance and, you know, get those underhooks and, and turn himself out of the cage and break and start punching again. But he didn't have the stamina for that. And also, uh, Usman was throwing a lot of body shots as well that mm-hmm. uh, I don't think he normally, or at least I don't normally notice, but he was going to the body a lot. And I think that was strategic just because he knew that Masvidal didn't have the gas tank that he would have if he knew he was preparing for a title shot. So, um, so yeah, I think Usman, you know, people, people say, oh, you know, why would you fight that way? But Usman only had six days to get ready for Masvidal as well. And he's True. not going to put his title on the line just to make a few people, like a, a crowdless <laughs> audience and like the people on the internet go, ooh, you know, yeah, like right. why? You lose know? sponsorships, um, lose the power, lose the money just to exactly. put on a show for trolls at home. No. <laughs> exactly. So I, I, I think it was impressive. I'm always impressed when wrestlers are able to do it. Uh, what I get annoyed with is when people disengage the entire time and run. That's the type of fight that I'm like, what are you doing? But when I see someone who's able to dominate with pressure um, and and just keep someone in their grasp and just shut down everything that they're trying to do in order to hurt you, I find that impressive. So I guess I'm looking at it differently from like a fan who doesn't want to see him hugging anymore, who just wants to see him bang and and cut each other open and stuff. Like I'm, I, I think I'm looking at it differently, but I. I think that's a really good display of skill on Usman's side. Okay, speaking of fans, I know that there are a few fan questions. Um, Just before we run out of time, it'd be uh, really, really great if we could just run through a couple of them, G. Yeah, I'll make it quick, Angie. Yeah, I'll make it quick, Angie. I know you got things to do. Um, This is my girl, Jamie. She, She seems to believe that you seem to hesitate on short notice. I'll let you elaborate more if that's true or not. But her question is, does Angie feel like she performs better on short notice? Um... I think I think for a, a few fights, it was really helping me not be so caught up in the idea of winning or losing. So getting a short notice fight can sometimes be a blessing in disguise because you if, if you're like me, uh, mm-hmm. you train you train all year round. You get that fight out of nowhere, six days notice, two weeks notice, all you have to do is train really hard for two weeks and then you go in and whatever happens, happens. And you're not focusing on the amount of time you put in preparing for that person. You're not focusing on what people are going to think if you lose because you're going in there already the underdog just because you haven't had a training camp, just because you're just now walking in there and you don't have all this baggage of like a fight camp on your shoulders when you go in there and you can be a little more, a little more free in there. You can be a little more, uh, a little less hesitant. So I, for, for my last, like, I say maybe three, three fights in a row where I got short notice where all three of them, I was like, great, let's do this. You know, like Mm -hmm. it, it, 
it really it it freed me up and it stopped me from getting in my own head. And I think and I always reference um, my fight with Random Marcos. I had a lot of time to prepare for that, but I also had a lot of time to dwell on certain things that she did well that I felt she could catch me with. Mm. And it totally it totally made me hesitant and made me not be in the moment during the fight because I kept thinking, what if, what if, and, uh, even in training camp, I kept thinking, what if, like, if, if someone got an arm bar on me, I go, what if that happens when I fight Randa? I know she's arm barred people, you know? And then I almost felt like I willed it. So for a while, I, when I would get those short notice fights, it would help me just, just, uh, pull the trigger more and be in the moment more and get in that flow state that a lot of people are talking about now uh, when they talk about um, the mental state of being a fighter. So mm. so I, I honestly don't feel like that's a problem anymore. Uh, my Gedalia fight, I had maybe five or six weeks to prepare, which I, which is a long camp for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I, with that fight, I was really proud of myself because I felt like that was a hurdle that I was worried about. Mm-hmm. I was worried about going into that fight and overthinking it like I've done in the past and lost to people that I felt like I shouldn't have lost to. Yeah. And, um, and I felt like it had, if anything, I performed better. I was more in shape. Um, I was more focused in that fight. And I, I think it, it, taking those short notice fights allowed me to get over that hurdle of not pulling the trigger. Oh, but now yeah. that I'm past that, I feel like I'm, I'm just a more fluid fighter. Now I'm more free in there and I'm able to uh, fight the fight that I want without thinking too much in between exchanges. So, um, so yeah. It sounds like things are flowing. That sounds dope. From all the yeah. experience, the short notice fights, the long notice fights. It's like <laughs> I've done everything. it all. Yeah, everything's coming together. So let me keep pushing because I know you got stuff to do. This is from Self Med Train via Zoom. These people have the craziest names, but shout out to you. His his question is, did you learn the... Um, No, excuse me. He said, hi, Angie, are you excited about the new Venom deal? And did you learn about this the same way the fans did? Or does the UFC contact you in a professional manner and and, um, make you aware of this? So what are your thoughts? Um, I just learned about it. (laughs) So, so yeah, I learned about it the same way the fans did. And Mm -hmm. I was surprised that they went with an MMA brand. I thought they were going to try to go for something like Nike or Under Armour Mm -hmm. or something like that. So I was surprised. Um, And yeah, I'm wondering what the difference is going to be between the two because with Reebok, obviously the money wasn't as good as the sponsorship deals that people were able to lock down before. Uh, for, For a fighter like me who only had one fight before I got in before the uh, the UFC brought in Reebok, I didn't really see a difference money wise, so it didn't affect me. But who knows what kind of money I could be making with sponsorships now that I have a name and now that I have a following yes. and whatnot. Uh, so I'm wondering what the money's going to look like. Obviously, we don't know yet. No, at least I don't know yet. <laughs> so I don't think I, I think most fighters don't know what the money's going to look like. Uh, and, and, um, I'm wondering what the, 
I guess the restrictions are going to be when I came to express yourself. Yeah, because when I came into the UFC, uh, people got really excited when I did the Sagat thing. And then every time I tried to do something after that, Reebok was on my ass. Like they were like, what you got in that pocket? What do you think? (laughs) (laughs) You know, like they were on me. They turned into the police. Yes. Yeah. They were policing my outfits and their, their whole thing was. I, we don't we're just trying to protect you so you don't get fined uh, after the fact if you go in and wear something that wasn't approved but at the same time I'm like well there's no there's no logos on anything that I wear like I make all my stuff so you don't have to worry about that but they were still really strict about it so I think the last time they saw I did like a tongue po thing and they stole my my wraps. They stole my rope wraps that I made that week. I was so proud of them because I could just slip them on and they looked right. really cool. And I like taped uh, or not taped. I glued uh, rocks on it to look like broken glass. Yeah, I had a whole thing planned out. And they said, no, what are you doing? What's in your pocket? And I was like fuck are you oh, serious great. So, here come the cops right yeah yeah they took my they took my props so uh, i didn't take it they just didn't let me walk out with it so once that happened i was i was just like okay i'm i'm not gonna i'm not gonna spend my energy doing this anymore if they're just going to tell me no or try to find me right. afterwards yeah so i'm wondering if if venom is gonna be a little more lenient and allow people to uh, wear things that aren't necessarily venom or, or just be more creative with their weigh-ins because uh, I know there's a there's a handful of fighters that love to do stunts during weigh-ins oh, yeah. it, it just makes it more interesting you know right. and if you're not into shit talk or or being all mean beforehand it gives you something to to get eyes on you without being or while being authentic to your character so mm-hmm. so yeah I, i'm hoping that they're a little a little more chill with that kind of stuff and I i'm hoping so the money's too. better for sure yeah i'm i'm really wishing you guys the best with that and i really hope that you guys are can be more creative and, and expressive in your ways and to be honest with you the fans miss like the the sponsorship the crazy shirts the patches and we miss you dressing up so we you know we <laughs> have our fingers crossed for more expressive um you know, creativity when you guys come out. So we're wishing you the best. And I just, I'm going to sneak one more. Don't kill me. Okay. It's a fun fun question. I think you'll like it. She said it's a nerd question. This is from, yes, I know I'm an asshole. (laughs) And she said, what upcoming game releases are you looking forward to? Ooh, See? Um, that's a good one. I say the best for last. Yeah, so I'm just <laughs> been I'm I'm maybe halfway through Last of Us Two, and it's so far it's living up to the hype. It's really good. I'm, mm. I'm freaking out every second I play it. So that that's one that I was looking forward to. Um, uh, if you've ever played Dying Light, if you're into the zombie genre of video games, that one's a really good one because it has a really cool co-op uh, mode that you can play with a friend. So, like, me and me and my husband, we played the first Dying Light, and it was amazing. So they have another one coming out. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to be the end of this year, but they have an expansion coming out at, uh, maybe the end of this month for the mm. first one it, as, like, a... 
what do you call it? Like a prequel to the the new game that's going to be coming out later. So right. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about Dying Light 2 and what new features they're going to have. And it's basically you're running around in this like post-apocalypse zombie zombie world. And you can parkour on top of buildings. And you have to do all this stuff and in order to survive and kill zombies. And it's a lot of fun. So that's, that's one I'm looking forward to. If you guys haven't heard of Dying Light, uh, check it out. It's fun. Angie, I just want to tell you that I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm still, st- I'm still stuck on PS2. I play Tetris still. Um, and nice. I love, I love Tetris 99. You should uh, get you a Switch and play uh, Tetris 99. That one's pretty cool. Oh, absolutely. That's I'm old school. Donkey, I, someone just sent me a Nintendo, and I'm still playing it at home. So I hope all nice. the gamers unite and that you know you guys enjoy it because it does. I do like zombie games, but I'm I asked that question because we do have gamers and stuff that listen, and and your fans are huge gamers. So I wanted cool. to save the best for last, and thank you. Yeah, <laughs> Angie, it's been That's incredible. It, it's been absolutely incredible. Um, coming close to now two hours. I hope we haven't, uh, as well as draining your batteries, drained your reserve energy because uh-huh. it has felt as though you know you've been kind of like the the third host of this podcast. It's been incredible having hey. you along, and thank you so much for your time. <laughs> well, yeah, I gotta, I gotta go. I'm, I'm getting the side eye. We gotta go. Okay. We gotta go grocery shopping. So. So, oh, thank yeah, you thanks so much. for having me. Guys. Okay. Until yeah. next time, yeah? Take care. Yes. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thanks, right, bye. Bye-bye. Oh, man. Okay. Well, I suppose all that, you know, remains to say is that was one hell of a chat conversation. I wouldn't even call it an interview. It really did feel as though, you know, she was the third presenter here. We did it again, Mike. We asked the UFC fighter to join us, and then we just wound up talking about whatever, all types of stuff, all over the place. And, I mean, I'm really glad I co-host with you because you asked fight questions. I don't even talk about fighting, but I loved the conversation. It wasn't an interview. Absolutely incredible. Well, until the midweek edition of the WODCast where we go for the hard way, G, make some trouble. <laughs>